What's up? How good was that? Can we make some noise for the band at every single campus right now? My gosh. So glad you're here. Anybody visiting for the first time? Raise your hands. We're so glad you're here. Make some noise. You sound good. You look good. I tell you that all the time. Today, I actually mean it. <laughs> tell your neighbors, say, you look good for real. <laughs> and if you're both single, say, to be continued. <laughs> hey, if you're visiting, we, we usually don't look this good. Where this is dressed up for us, like dressed up times 10 for a lot of us, okay? It just is. And if you're like, yeah, but the guy sitting next to me is wearing like cut off sweat shorts. You should see what he normally wears. All right. We're dressed up. Hey, the truth is, if you're visiting, um, I can appreciate what it's like to visit a church for the first time and to really have no idea what to expect. And, and so I hope more than anything else already, what you have felt is that you're just welcomed here. From the bottom of our hearts, that's what we want you to feel. No matter what you've been through, no matter where you're at right now, no matter how good life may be going, rough things may be going, how full of faith you may feel, how full of doubt you may be, whatever. Like, we already know we're imperfect people, but we get together to pursue a perfect God. So no matter what you got going on, we're so glad you're here. Like, welcome to Red Rocks Church and Merry Christmas, and thank you for joining us. We're glad that you're with us. The very first Christmas went like this. Let's read. Go up here. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while mm, <laughs> Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came. Parents, you know that. You know that craziness. The time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And, and if you've been around church at all, especially at Christmas, like, you know this story. You're familiar with this story. And, and let's be honest, it's crazy if you start to picture it, right? I mean, you got these two kids about to have their first kid, and, and, and this poor teenage girl rides into town on a donkey and there's no hotel and they're going to go have their first kid and no family and no support out in a barn. They're going to put their baby in a feeding trough like it's crazy, right? It's just it's not what you would expect. And I was reading the story and I was like, well, I guess they did know two details. I mean, Everything else that you read is sort of that, that stuff that you go, I just wouldn't have seen that coming. Like, we never expected that, right? But they did know two details. They knew the gender of the baby, and they already knew what they were going to name him, right? Remember what the angel told uh, Mary, Luke 1.31, 
you will conceive and give birth to a son. That's the first ultrasound right there. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And then an angel visited Joseph and said, talking about Mary, she will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So they did have those details, right? They had that nailed down. We're having a son, and we know the name. Two details that my wife refused to let me in on during the birth of our third child. We have three children. The first two were boys. And if you know my wife, like, she's not even like, kind of a tomboy, all right? She's, she's a girly girl. Um, and, and in fact, last night we were at a basketball game and, and I was like, I was like, yeah, he got a rebound and put it back. And she's like, did he score a point? I'm like, stop, we're done. Like, I'm just, <laughs> we had two boys and I mean, it was like, there's Legos and, you know, castles and warriors and football on the ground. And I had set up a batting station in the living room because every boy needs to know how to hit a baseball. And like, it just wasn't, I don't think what Jill had pictured when we first started having children. You know what I mean? Like, I just think she pictured like tea parties and pink, you know what I mean? And so we're going to have a third child. She finds out she's pregnant and she says, Hey, listen, we're not going to find out the sex of the baby. And I'm like, I'm sorry. She's like, I just think for the third one, we should wait. Let's be surprised. Let's not find out. I was like, well, that's not biblical, <laughs> but I'm a servant. And so if that's what we're doing, all right, I don't like it. I, I, I am an, an anxious person already, right? Like I need answers. Is the room going to be pink or blue? I need to know. Are we getting slippers or Jordans? Like I need to know these things. No, no, we're going we're gonna to go off script and we're not going to find out. Okay. So, but then she did this thing about halfway through the pregnancy. She would do this thing where she would just like rub her belly. I don't know if that's where it was, but you know, it's ish. But she would go, she would go, mm, I can just tell. What? What do you mean you can just tell? But she, I, it's, it's going to be a girl. Really? Because you can tell. Because we could have an ultrasound. We can find out for real. No. No, we don't even need to because I just know. <laughs> and this goes on for months. Okay, I have it on video of her in the hospital room right before giving birth where she's walking me through the heartbeat. And she's like, see? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's going to be a girl. <laughs> okay. Okay, so now it's time. Like, it's really go time, okay? Now, this is not my first rodeo. This is my third time doing this. I know my responsibilities. I know what I do. I, I stand right by her head. I hold her hand, and I don't look that way. Like, that's what I do, okay? So I'm doing my thing. Some of you are like, we could ever read the Bible? We will. We'll get back to that. So, so I'm holding her hand. I'm, I'm doing what I do. And I hear the doctors talking and they're, they're, I don't really understand what they're saying, but I hear da, 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 and she, da, da, and I went, and so I grabbed Jill's hand and I'm like, babe, you did it. It's a girl. Now my wife is 
heavily drugged up at this time. And she's laying down, and I'm telling you, tears well up in her eyes. Little teardrops start going down. She's like, it's a girl? And I went, babe, yes, it's a girl. And right then, the doctor holds up Ashton and goes, it's a boy. <laughs> and my wife's like, I, I, I don't understand. What is it? A, is it? And I went, that is my bad. That is my bad, honey. And I don't, we should have stuck to the Bible. You know what I'm saying? That is my bad. Nothing went as planned. It was all off the books. Like, it, it was just, it, it, was, it was a mess. Awkward transition to the Savior of the world. So the birth of Jesus was also a bit unexpected. <laughs> it was it wasn't one of those things where anybody watching went, mm-hmm, that's what I thought. That, that's how I thought that would go down. That, that's how I expected. And not only was it like crazy that these two on the donkey in the strange town and no family and no room and in a barn, the whole thing, it gets weirder. It gets more like unexpected because then God starts putting together the guest list for the first group of people to come celebrate the birth of his son. And the first people invited, completely unexpected. Nobody would have seen this coming. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. What? Keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified, I bet. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Here it is. Here's the birth announcement of Jesus to a group of people that nobody could have seen this one coming. Here's what was said. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Good news, great joy for everybody. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Good news Great joy for all people. That night when Mary got on Instagram and was going to post a picture of the baby and her and Joseph got down by the feeding trough and, and, and snapped the picture, I think, I think underneath it she would have put good news, great joy for everybody. Hashtag it's a boy. That's the post. The title of this year's Christmas Eve message is Good News, Great Joy for Everybody. Hit your neighbor on the thigh. Say, it's for everybody. <laughs> I heard some good contact. Nice. <laughs> it's good news because of what was said right after that. Because it's Jesus. It's the Messiah. It's the Lord. What the angel tell Joseph? Name him Jesus because he's going to take away the sins of the world. That, that, that's why it's good news. And the Apostle Paul, I love that he takes some time and he starts to explain to some of his friends in Rome. He says, 
Let, let me tell you why God told the shepherds, the shepherds that it was good news. Let me explain to you why it was not only such necessary news, but such good news that we have a Savior that will take away the sins of the world. He says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He said, see, that's why we need a Savior to deal with the sin, because every single one of us, that's our issue. We have sinned. He said, that's why somebody coming to take away the sin is such good news. He says, let me, let me go deeper. He says, for the wages of sin is death. The cost, the price, the price tag on our sin is eternal separation from God in a place that the Bible calls hell. But he says, make no mistake about it. That's not God's plan for any of his kids. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord, because there's a sin problem and it would separate us from God. He said, let me send my son, a savior to take away the sin so that you never are separated and that you spend forever in eternity with me. He says, that's why it's such that's good news. That's why we needed a savior so badly to take away the sin because that's our issue. And he said, let me make sure you understand who this qualifies or who is qualified for this. Would you say this first word with me? Romans 10, 13. Everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And you might be thinking if, especially if this is new news to you, you might be thinking, it sounds good. It sounds like something we ought to talk about, especially on a weekend like this at church, but I can't, I can't do that. Like, I remember the first time I heard this news in a service like this. That was my thought. Like, I, I can't do that. Even if I wanted it, like, I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I, I can't deserve that. And even if you give it to me, I won't be able to keep it. Like, I make mistakes on a professional level. That's what I, was, I remember thinking that. Like, even if I said yes, and even if I said, okay, I'll take it, like, I can't keep it. And if you're dealing with any thoughts like that, I'd like to reinforce them for you. You can't. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought this was good news. You, you, you can't. You're not good enough and you're not strong enough and you're not spiritual enough to get it or keep it. See, that's why it's such good news. It's good news because it's not about you. That's why it's such good news. It's good news because it's not about me. It's not about us. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us get to boast about it. It's not about you. It's not about me. That's why it's such good news. God says, I'm gonna do the heavy lifting on this. All you have to do is receive it. You call me in when you're ready, and you receive it. And I'll take care of everything else. It's good news because it's not about you. It's not about what you can and can't do. It's about what our God's already done. Right? That's why it's good news. My son Ashton loves football. 
and, and his coach has been talking to us in the offseason about how we're going to start running a lot more pass plays next year. And he's already been challenging Ashton to, to work on his arm strength. So the other day, my son's like, Dad, how do I get my arms stronger? I'm like, pick something up. Like, get off the screens. That's how. That's a start. It's like, Dad, I want to get my arms stronger. I'm like, well, why don't you start doing some push-ups and some pull-ups? The boys had to have a pull-up bar like three years ago. I don't know that a pull-up's been done on that thing, okay? <laughs> so I said, why don't you start doing some push-ups and some pull-ups? So the other day, I'm watching the game, and I look over, and it's, it's hanging in the doorway right when you come in from the garage, and I see him over there, and he's just like hanging from it, like... <laughs> And I'm like, well, and he goes, I can't. I go, well, try. And he goes, I am. Like, not the no movement at all. <laughs> and, and pretty soon he goes, Dad. I said, yeah. He said, help. <laughs> and I was like, I've been waiting for you to say it. Like, I never thought you'd ask. And I came over, and I said, let's do some pull-ups. He goes, I can't. I said, yeah, you can. Get up there. He goes, I can't. I said, trust me. He got his arms up there, and I just went, two, three, four, five. And we just started doing pull-ups. And he got down, and I was like, see, you can do them. He's like, no, you did them all. I said, that's the point. It made me think about our salvation. Isn't that the point? Like, I'm not good enough, and I'm not strong enough, and I don't have what it takes. And the father steps in, and he goes, what was impossible for you is now extremely possible because dad's here. And I'll take care of all the heavy lifting. That's how salvation works. We just finally say, dad, I'm ready. I need help. And he steps in and does everything we could never do on our own. And today, before you leave whatever service you're at, you could make that decision for yourself and say, God, I'm ready. I can feel you calling me. I want to make you Lord. I want to repent of my sins. I want to try to follow you. Let's go. And you can do that before you leave. And when you do, remember this. It's not about you. It's good news because it's not about you. It's not about what you can do or can't do. It's about what your Savior has already done. It's good news, church. It's good news. And it brings great joy. Galatians 5, where'd it go? Okay, sorry. Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And then there's this list, goes on. I read that to you because, see, the Bible teaches us that that, that moment when we say, okay, God, I'm ready, let's go. I want you. That, that he doesn't just forgive us of our sins and take care of us for eternity in heaven, right? But his spirit at that moment begins to live inside of us and it allows us to do things we could never do before. It allows us to live in a way that we could never live before. The Bible says at that moment, you're a brand new person. You're a brand new creation. And his spirit is now living on the inside of you. And that passage I just read in Galatians, if you've grown up in church, you've heard it called the fruits of the spirit. You know what that means? That means it's, just, it's a byproduct. When God's spirit lives inside of you, there's some byproducts. There's some things that start to happen in your life. And joy is one of them. The first thing God said to the shepherds through the angels was, when you experience the good news, get ready because you're going to also have some great joy in your life. It's a byproduct of the good news. Second Corinthians 5 says this, anyone who belongs to Christ, has become a new person. The old life is gone. 
A new life has begun. Bible says when that spirit starts to live inside of you, you become a brand new creation. You start to live differently. You start a new life with a new mission and a new purpose and a new calling and a newfound sense of peace and joy in your life that supersedes your situation. I can't tell you how many times I've watched somebody filled with the Holy Spirit go through horrible things, tragic things, painful things, and I watch them and I think, how can they go through that with that kind of peace, with that kind of joy? And then I'm reminded, it's not them, it's God's Spirit working in them. Because with the good news comes great joy. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but for better or for worse, I, I sort of live life like this. And I'm sort of emotionally all over the place and my poor wife, okay? But like, it just, I am. And so I go through seasons and there are seasons when catch me at the wrong time and you tell me this, truth is I might get angry. Definitely sort of offended. It sounds good, but it's not true. Because I am a Christian and I have no joy. That's what I think, right? That's the unfiltered version. I mean, you ever felt that? You ever felt like, like I'm a believer and, I, and I'm doing my very best to walk in the calling that God has on my life? Then how come I'm not experiencing the joy that's supposed to come with it? And, and, and there are seasons when I have felt like that. And truth be told, I'm kind of sick of it. And so if this is your church family, we're going to talk about joy a whole lot over the course of the next year because I believe we're about to see some breakthrough. But so, so, so God, I'm talking to God about this and I felt like he challenged me. If you're not experiencing the great joy, then maybe you need to ask yourself, how much are you focusing on the good news? Because remember what the angels told the shepherds, it's the good news, see, that brings the great joy. And what I've noticed about myself is on autopilot, I like to focus on bad news. My default setting is, let's, let's just think about everything that's wrong or that might go wrong. And, and so I've challenged myself recently, and, and I'm going to throw this challenge out to some of you. If this is your struggle, I want to challenge you to start bookending your days, focusing on the good news, and watch how the great joy will start to infiltrate your life. So, so here, here's what I, I've started doing for the last couple of weeks. I go, you know what? First five minutes and the last five minutes. All I'm gonna do of my day is focus on the good news. And so for the first five minutes, here's what I've been doing when I wake up. My default mode is I put on my glass, I, I wear contacts, so, so when I, I wake up, I put on my glasses and I grab my phone and I just start. And you do the same thing, don't judge me. <laughs> so here's, 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 my, here's my thing right now. Before I look at my phone, before I open a laptop, before I look at a screen, before I read any news, before I even give myself permission to start worrying about whatever I was worrying about yesterday. I'm gonna spend five minutes and I'm just gonna focus on the good news and I'm gonna tell God thank you for it. So for me, it just goes like this, God, thank you that you sent your son to die for me because I've never been good enough for that. And thank you that you forgave my sins. I've never earned that. Thank you that no matter how this turns out, like I already know how my story ends. I'm going to heaven. Thank you. Thank you for the things that you have set me free from. 
Thank you for the parts of my life that you're continuing to work on. Thank you that you're working in my life even today on the, in the parts of the day when I can't feel it. Thank you for Jill. Thank you for my boys. Thank you for this church. Like, that's what I'm doing. I'm going to do that for the first five minutes. And then the last five minutes, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm just going to focus on the good news. And I'm telling you, I've already seen a difference. The more and more I focus on the good news, the more and more I start to experience the great joy that comes with it. And that's what God wants for you. It's good news and it brings great joy. And who's it for? It's for everybody. It's for everyone. And, and I love that God says it. But then he proves it by who he said it to. The fact that this message, this birth announcement, this first party invitation went out to shepherds would drive the religious people of the day crazy. Philip Yancey, great Christian writer, he said this about the shepherds. The shepherds were illiterate hirelings who watched the flocks of others, nobodies, who failed to leave their names. Shepherds had such a randy reputation that proper Jews lumped them together with the godless, restricting them to the outer courtyards of the temple. Fittingly, it was they whom God selected to help celebrate the birth of one who would be known as the friend of sinners. Nobody saw this coming, especially the religious leaders. And they were, they sort of ran things back in the day. And, and Philip Yancey said the shepherds, they had a real bad reputation. Well, whatever your reputation is today is because of what you've been a part of in the past. That's what builds your reputation, right? Which tells us that these guys probably had a really rough past. No doubt some things probably happened in their life that, that honestly just weren't fair. It just wasn't fair, like it shouldn't have happened. And it caused just this domino effect of like bad news. And, and no doubt there were some things in their past where if they were honest, they'd go, I screwed that one up and that I shouldn't have done. And right, and then there's all this, this domino effect of bad things that happened. And I, I, their past is, is very likely, they had this past like just riddled with mistakes and heartache and regret. And truth be told, there's part of them um, that, that, that makes them think like, because of my past, I don't get to experience God like those people because I just, I'm different. And they would be treated different in the present. It wasn't just a past thing. It was a present thing. They were called godless. They were treated as outcasts. Picture this because sometimes we make the Christmas story so pretty in our mind. Picture these guys, they lived. This, the text didn't say they visited the fields where the sheep were. They lived there. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know that we get that, you know, and it's because it's we don't have many shepherds in our family. Right? And so we don't fully grasp what's going on here. I kind of picture like a quaint little farmhouse with hot water and Wi-Fi, and then they go outside and they shepherd, but they always come back. No, they lived out in the field. So you got to picture homeless. That's what they were. They lived outside and they slept in the dirt, in the mud, surrounded by sheep droppings. They smelled. I mean, Picture this for what it is. 
And, and so, so, see, the religious people and all the proper people, when they looked at them, they didn't just see physically unclean. They also saw spiritually unclean because they had a set of laws and rules that they would follow if you're going to come to be a part of this church. And one of them was you don't touch dead things. And shepherds, they always touch dead things. And and it's part of their job. And so you're not just physically disgusting to me. You're also spiritually disgusting. And so here's what the shepherds knew. All the people that say they're with God, they want nothing to do with us. So you know what? We won't have anything to do with them. Oh, I love that this is who God invites to the party first. Rough past, probably a worse present. And the truth is, when that's your life, you you have little to no hope for your own future. Nobody's looking at these guys going, look at the potential. Look what they could be. Look, Look what might happen. I bet you one day that, no, nobody believed that anything good was gonna happen to these guys, which means you start to believe that about yourself. And the truth is, there's probably people at every single one of our locations right now, and because of your past, or because of some things going on right now, or because of your own thoughts about your own potential with God, you sort of stand away from church, or away from the idea that God and I could actually connect in a meaningful way, because that's just not who I am. I'm just different. And I think God, he doesn't just say that the good news is for everybody. He proves it by who he first goes to tell, doesn't he? He says, no, it really is for everybody. That's why I'm inviting you to the party first. And these guys, they've got to be like, there's no way we should be getting invitations to this party. But unless we're all just hammered, we saw an angel. You know what I mean? And I think we're invited, and we don't have much going on. Let's go. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, I shouldn't have said the shepherds were hammered. Sorry about that. (laughs) Uncalled for. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, Jesus, forgive me, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing. I love that they talk like my family in Kansas. <laughs> Grab the deal. Let's go see this thing. It's a baby, gentlemen. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Sean, shut up and read the scripture. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Crazy scenario. Now, these last two verses rocked me this week. Try to picture what's happening and who's there. When they had seen him, that's Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So so picture it. there's, there's, There's some guys that have a really rough past and nothing's working out in life currently and they really have little to no hope for their own future. And God says, I got something for you. I want you to come and experience my son. And they go and they have one encounter with the presence of Jesus. Like Jesus can't even speak life over them right now. He can't reach out his hand and pray over them yet. But they have one encounter with the presence of God and it changes them so much. It changes their life. It changes their purpose. It changes their mission, changes their calling. They start walking in this new calling, telling people about what God has let them experience.
experience. And all of a sudden, everybody, including the religious leaders, takes a step back and goes, what those guys are doing is amazing. When's the last time anybody ever said, I'm proud of you to one of these guys? Probably never. When's the last time they felt like I'm a part of something that matters? I'm proud of myself. Maybe never. When's the last time that somebody that had anything to do with God would look in their direction and go, what you're a part of, what you're doing, your calling, it's amazing. That's what happens when we encounter the presence of Jesus. See, there's power in the name of Jesus. Jeremiah 10 says this, no one is like you, Lord, you are great, and your name is mighty in power. When we experience his presence and his power, it changes things, church. One encounter with Jesus and their whole life gets changed. And that's what God wants for you today. He wants you to experience the power that's in the name of Jesus. There's miracle-working, life-changing, sin-forgiving power in the name of Jesus. And as a church family, is there a better weekend to call on that name, to experience that power, than now? Some of you need to call on the name of Jesus for the very first time today and experience his forgiveness and his salvation. And some of you, you need to call on the powerful name of Jesus for the hundredth, the thousandth time, because the truth is, is you're going through some stuff right now as a believer, and it's Christmas, and it's supposed to be this happy time, but the truth is, sometimes this time of year up here turns into what I don't have, and what's gone wrong, and who won't be with us this year. And you're going through some stuff and more than ever, what you need is the power of God Almighty to get involved in your situation. I talked to someone this morning. He said, Sean, my addiction has taken everything from me. I've lost my home. I've lost my wife. I've lost my kids. He said, I have nothing left. I've lost everything and and I need help. That's what he told me. I need help and I don't know where to start. And so we talked about some practical things to begin doing today, but then I'll tell you what we did. We prayed in the name of Jesus that the power from heaven would get involved and do things in his life that he could never do on his own. See, the good news is that God came to be with us and he brought the power of heaven with him and it's available to us today. That's the good news. And when you receive it, it does bring great joy. And church, I'm telling you, it's for everybody. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are with us. I thank you that you came to be with us and that's what we get to celebrate this weekend. And I thank you that your presence is with us right now in this moment. God, I pray for those who need to experience your forgiveness for the first time. I pray that they would have the courage to make that step of faith, to call on your name and to experience eternal salvation. I pray, I pray for that right now. I believe that's about to happen. And I pray for those who are struggling. And this time of year is tougher than we'd like to admit. 
And I pray, God, that we would experience your power even as we begin to worship you and sing songs about the power of your son's name. I pray that we would experience that power in our lives. With everyone's eyes closed at every location, I want to ask two questions. Give you a chance to respond to what God might be doing in your life right now. And the first one is this. You are a Christ follower. Maybe you have been for a long time. The truth is, you're going through some stuff right now. And you know, like, I just need the power of God in my life right now to help me get through this, to help my loved ones get through this. If that's you, raise your hand right now at all locations, and we're gonna agree together in prayer, and we're gonna call on the powerful name of Jesus. A whole bunch of us. The second question is this. You don't have a relationship with Jesus yet. But the truth is, like you can feel it. You can feel it in your heart right now. You can feel God calling you into a relationship with him. And like you just know, this is my day. This is my moment. I need to ask him to forgive me of my sins, to be the Lord of my life. I don't know how this is gonna go, but to the best of my ability, I'm gonna try to follow him, and I just know it. I need to make that decision. I need to choose Jesus today. If that's you, raise your hand. I'm gonna say a prayer for you as well. Raise him up high. Praise God, 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 praise God. God, you knew exactly why you brought us here today. You know what we've been through, but way more important, you know where you want to take us. God, first I pray for those who say, I just need you right now. I need your power to show up in my life right now in a real way. And so God, I pray that that would happen as we begin to worship you and celebrate the powerful name of Jesus. I pray that some weights would come off our shoulders and we would start to experience a peace and a joy that supersedes our situation, knowing that our creator is on the scene. And God, I thank you for all these people that are choosing you right now, that are they're choosing salvation right now. I pray that as we begin to worship, that they would just sense your presence in such a real and authentic and just an awesome way. I thank you that we have Christmas to celebrate. We love you so much, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, listen, before we worship, I wanna lead every single campus in, in a corporate prayer so many people I know across all campuses, and I just saw it happen here. So many people right now are choosing Jesus for the very first time. I want to help you make that initial connection. I want to help you pray that initial prayer, and I don't want anybody to feel insecure. So church family at every single location, let's all pray this prayer together. You ready? Dear Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I want to accept your salvation. I'm not going to be perfect, but I want to follow you. Today, I choose you. Let's go. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Let's make some noise. Let's stand up at every single campus and let's worship.